0: hey listeners i'm your host daniel schroeder and this is the biotech and breweries podcast each episode i'll share a beer or two from one of san diego's best breweries with a leader of the biotech community as we try to make sense of the science behind some of the amazing biotech companies that call san diego home i recently had the chance to catch up with scott mclaughlin Former counterintelligence officer with the United States Marine Corps, UCSD Rady MBA, and current Vice President of Business Development at Gene Cell. Our conversation covered a variety of topics, including what the transition from the military to the life science community was like, how Gene Gosell is trying to help breweries manage their yeast, their effort to develop a common sense COVID navigation strategy, and more. All right, Scott, thanks for joining me on the Biotech and Breweries podcast. I appreciate you making time.
1: Daniel, uh thank you very much for having me. Happy Monday. Uh I'm I'm happy to be here. Yeah.
0: Well, great. Uh well, I'm excited for this because you have actually introduced me to a brewery I had never heard of before. So let's let's start there. We'll, we'll get into your background and a little bit about the company uh in a minute, but first, you know, it, Protector Brewing is the name of the brewery. I've got it ready to go right in front of me. We've got their, their organic hazy IPA. You seem like you've got some familiarity with them and uh, would love to kind of understand kind of why, why you picked Protector.
1: Yeah. Um, so Protector Brewery is a veteran owned um, organic brewery. It's owned by Sean Haggerty, who is a uh, former Navy SEAL. He is also a uh, graduate of the uh, UCSD Rady School of Management um, where he got his MBA and that's the same school that I got my MBA and our CEO and founder of Gene Gosell got her MBA and also one of our uh, our NGS account manager Tegan McDonald got her MBA so there's this connection right there um, where we all uh, we all kind of share that alumni. And, and UCS, then, uh,
0: UCSD is kind of known as being a, a, a science school too so there's, there's a lot of people from the life science community that have a UCSD background for sure
1: correct. It's, it's, it's a great community for sure. But yeah, as far as the the brewery goes, great veteran owned um, business. And also just the fact that they're an award-winning organic brewery is is pretty awesome. And the beer is delicious.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm impressed. I love the the veteran background. I love that they're going for organic, which you don't see that very often with, with beers these days. Uh, And the beer tastes great. Like a lot of times you think of uh, organic you think maybe they're giving up a little bit on flavor or a d- different area but i i don't i wouldn't have noticed at all so i love looking at the i'm looking at the can it's kind of some of the notes are are pretty funny and how they've kind of described they kind of exaggerate the flavors a little bit but it ends uh it says enjoy this explosion of hoppy juicy goodness is the last sentence so that's a great way to put it and uh, i definitely will be enjoying it yeah um so uh, so you just touched on a couple things I think that are that are really interesting. Um, you mentioned UCSD, but you also kind of mentioned veteran. Um, would love to kind of hear your background, um, get to know a little bit about you before we start talking about the company.
1: Of course. Um, so I joined the Marine Corps in 1995. Uh, I did a full 20-year career. I was a counterintelligence agent and an interrogator and a uh, human intelligence source uh, operations specialist. So I kind of was in the uh, intelligence side of things. Um, uh, you know, I moved to San Diego in 1995 when I joined and went to boot camp, and kind of always returned here throughout my career. I uh, got uh, had the the you know good fortune to be a marine drill instructor down at the recruit depot next to the airport. That was a blast, and that kind of like set me up to wanting to stay here um, after I retired as well. So, um, you know, did the full combat tours a few times over to Iraq and got to do some really good stuff down in uh, Central and South America and the Caribbean doing counter drug and counter narco terrorism stuff. And uh, when I came up for retirement, though, uh, I knew that the last thing I wanted to do was continue on that career path of constantly being away from family, constantly being away from friends, um, and I kind of wanted to enjoy doing something different outside of that arena so
0: well and and you made a pretty big jump i guess you'd say and i'll maybe jump into that in a minute um yeah. well thank the service service is really impressive thank you so much for dedicating so much of your life uh to protecting the united states and the people that live here that's, that's obviously something that uh, i have a soft spot for and a lot of people do as well so thank you for that that was my honor so after the military, um, what was it like to then kind of trans- transition into, I guess, the private sector, if you want to call it that, but kind of that, that's a that's a big change um, for a lot of people. And I'm curious to kind of know what that was like.
1: Yeah. So um, I guess for me, it was uh, the the background that I had within in the intelligence field and dealing with people. Um, I mean, that's what human intelligence is. It's working with people and. When I made that transition, it was I, I went to a company, um, a, a railroad industry company called Holland, and I had a, a phenomenal leader named Kevin Pyther. And Kevin was the general manager of our division. And he took a chance on me to bring me in as a corporate director of operations uh, because he saw promise in my ability to influence people in a positive way and create positive cultural change. And uh, I really appreciated him doing that. And I flourished where I was at. It was a great opportunity, a, a great organization to spend some time in, and get my feet wet in the corporate, uh, in, you know, in the corporate world after military and after transitioning.
0: That's great. Um, and then I think you, so. From there, you mentioned UCSD. So, at what point did you decide um, to go to kind of go back to school? Right? I mean, that, must have, that was a big decision, especially having a family.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, twenty eighteen um, is when I. I joined the the Rady program, I was looking at several schools in the area, and I just felt that UCSD had the best, um, the best MBA program in Southern California, um, a lot of people put the USC program, the Marshall School, I know that that is a phenomenal program but for what I was looking for and my interest, the, the Rady program, uh, fit it to a T, they have an amazing weekend program uh, that, uh, the cohort was just phenomenal. And, um, in fact, that's where I met the founder and CEO of our company. She was in my cohort with me going back for her MBA, even though she already had a PhD in immunology and, um, you know, it was just a great opportunity to get back in there, learn a little bit more and further my career, understand business, um, a bit more as well at a a great, at a great school.
0: Did you so when you made the decision to go back to school and get an MBA did you did you think you might at some point jump into the life science world or did you did you have a specific uh, kind of industry that you are interested in or how did that um, come about
1: Uh you know I really wasn't sure at that point I just knew that I wanted to do more and honestly going to that program is what opened my eyes to other industries and to other opportunities and and really let me see that Um, you don't have to be an expert in the field you go into, as long as you don't swim outside of your lane. So getting into the life sciences industry, if someone's willing to take a a gamble on you and bring you onto their team, but you can contribute in what you are strong in, um, you know, with our company, we do really, uh, just really interesting and super high-tech science things that when I first showed up, I had no idea what they were talking about. And in the past seven months, they have, they've really helped me learn. And, and I can speak intelligently kind of about a good amount of what we do now. Um, but honestly, I don't think I ever would have considered this had I not gone to that, uh, to that course and was involved with all these different backgrounds and um, You know, we had every type of background you can imagine in a small cohort. And it was an amazing experience for me. I learned uh, not just about business, but more about people as well. And that was great.
0: Yeah. And I I relate um, very well to that because I, like you, uh, am often feeling like I have no idea what these scientists are trying to tell me. So I I work in the banking world as my day job. um, So I understand finance and, and dollars. Uh, but when I have conversations with people that are, you know, running a life science company, it's a lot, half of it goes over my head most of the time. So um, that's kind of why we're here, why I'm doing this is to try to learn. Um, so that, that's, it makes me feel a little bit better thinking that I'm not alone in that and that there's others out there that occasionally are, you know, kind of scratching their head too, trying to, trying to learn. But, um, but so you've been, you've been, um, maybe that's a good time to kind of transition into a conversation about how you joined uh, Gene Cell. I think you've cool. been there for a fairly short period of time, but it sounds like you've been able to jump in and kind of pick things up quickly.
1: Correct. Um, so I joined in March of this year. And, um, you know, the company is, is relatively young as well. We're coming up on our one year anniversary. So um, we were founded in November of 2020 by uh, Elizabeth Zhang Chen. She's our CEO and founder. Um, she's a PhD immunologist. Um, And our company, the name Gene Go Cell, is a reference to genetics and cellular. So, um, Elizabeth has a background and expertise in flow cytometry, where she is just an expert at all things flow cytometry, um, and also just has family connection to other professionals in the genomics industry uh, that allowed us to combine those two into an organization and into a company that can specifically. address some of the specialized services needed in the life sciences industry. Um, so that was a mouthful. Uh, but It's definitely not something I would have been able to say seven months ago, I can tell you that. Uh, You've got the lines memorized. <laughs> made up on the spot, I promise you. Um, but no, so, uh, you know, I think something that's important uh, is just to mention how new the cell and gene therapy industry really is, if you think about some of the technologies that are currently being utilized today. Um, You know, we've known about, uh, you know, DNA and things like that for decades, but look at CRISPR and how relatively new that is to gene editing and how quickly that technology is developing. And There's new versions of CRISPR that are coming out, it seems like monthly. and with all of those things, though, there's a huge need to ensure that there's safety in the development of those uh, gene and cell therapies, and that's where Jingo uh, Cell really thrives, and why we were uh, why we incorporated was to address those safety needs, uh, specifically with our genome editing verification service, and then also, you know, we're going to talk about a couple of the other services that we spun out um, that that. Uh, revolve around using uh, flow cytometry.
0: Okay, and when you say uh, so, gen- the gene, the term genome, and then genome editing—that that's one that you hear um, frequently. But when you say genome editing verification, um, not to put you on the spot with the science, <laughs> but what what does that mean exactly? Because I think um, I uh, I would love to kind of understand that better.
1: Of course. So um, so let's say you're doing uh, a CRISPR edit, and they're making a double strand break in. In the genome, and um, they're they're doing something. Maybe they're doing an insertion, so they're putting something in there into the gene. Yep. Um, just the way that that technology works, it's not going to make just one cut. It can make multiple cuts throughout the length of that full genome, and so you need to be able to know what effects are going to happen because you made that. Um, so you have your on target. Which is that's the spot you wanted to make your edit, but there's also off-target, and those are things that you kind of need to know because those can lead to have, to creating toxicity. Those are things that can lead to um, having unwanted, um, you know, unwanted side effects that yeah. can lead up to being fatal. Um, so that's kind of where. Our technology specializes, and we have developed some proprietary algorithms that make us be able to have really highly specific and sensitive results as we're looking at um, at the edits that our clients are are making.
0: Interesting, really interesting. And is that is I would imagine that that that's there's a a, a large number of competitors trying to do kind of something similar. But, but is that tr- true or, or maybe not?
1: Um, you know, there's a, there's a handful of other companies out there that um, offer similar services as far as being just specialized service providers. Um, however, we're proud to say that we are the, uh, the only CLIA and GLP and GMP-compliant um, service provider for genome editing verification. Um, there are others that are GLP and GMP-compliant, uh, but we're, as far as we know, the first CLIA-certified Okay. lab that, that are they're doing these workflows um and and we think that you know honestly obviously we feel we're the best at it you know it, it, i'd be a fool to come on here and say we don't think we're very good at it <laughs> but no we we feel you know that the the results we're able to provide um and the quality we'll be able to provide and the speed um are, are you know hands down the best in the industry
0: that's great. And, um, and so to kind of take a step back, how long, how long has the company been, been offering that service?
1: So um, this service has been offered um, since November of 2020 when we launched, but the technology has been developed since 2017. Okay. So it's been, you know, four years in development and um, you know, one, one full year almost uh, that we've been offering the service and, you know, We've had a hundred percent client retention, so everyone that has started using our service still does, and we're really proud of that as well.
0: That's an amazing statistic to be able to say that hundred percent. That's uh, any, and there's not many businesses that have you know anywhere close to that type of retention rate. So that's something you guys should be proud of for sure.
1: It, it definitely is, and you know, it's we have a, a phenomenal lab team. Um, they are it's it's you know a collection of guys and gals that are just so intelligent, brilliant and uh the work that they do obviously blows my mind because i'm not a scientist but um you know we've had clients that have said i wish that i have had a time machine so that we could have started this development with you guys because they've tried using other service providers and regretted it
0: okay well, that's that's a good advertisement for the company to be able to say that
1: <laughs> um and so how, I, I how, <laughs> how how big is the team you... Uh, so you know we're under 20 people right now But, uh, you know, when I joined in March, um, you know, I was I was employee number three. Oh, wow. So So, the growth growth has picked up. Exactly. So, yeah, we're we're expanding. We're actually hiring right now, um, looking for um, a research assistant and a scientist as we continue to grow the team. So that's, uh, you know, that's positive. It's great to be able to say that we're still growing and we're still looking for more you know more quality people to join the
0: team. Yeah, absolutely. Um and so I think you had mentioned when we talked previously that I, I know you you didn't share the details, but you mentioned that there was an interesting link uh between a few of the team members. I thought maybe it may have something to do with how the company came together. Um but I wanted you to yeah. elaborate on that. It sounded it sounded fun.
1: Yeah, so um honestly the uh, I, you know I spoke about UCSD previously and uh so three of our you know, our, our small group are all UCSD Rady MBAs. So our founder, Elizabeth, me, and we're in the same cohort. And then, um, and then also our NGS account manager, Tegan McDonald, she is also a Rady MBA. Okay. And then there's a few other people uh, in the company that were, are, um, are Tritons, but not part of uh, the MBA program. So, okay, you know, it's just interesting that we have, you know, a, a good portion of our company are graduates of
0: UCSD. That's great. That's a great, so we, we've already kind of given the company a plug with the 100% retention rate. Now we're giving UCSD a free plug too. So maybe maybe we can get UCSD in here as a sponsor soon. Um, <laughs> and then you, there, I know there's some other service lines um, with with the company. We just obviously spent some time talking about genome, net, genome editing verification as one, um, but you guys are doing a couple other interesting and exciting things, I think, as well
1: correct so um you know the first thing that kind of brought us to protector um is is a service that uh we tried out it was a trial we wanted to kind of help the san diego brewing community because um i mean we're the mecca of craft brew Uh, and so using our flow cytometer we were able to develop an assay that could detect um the viability of brewing yeast and you know there's already services out there that can let you know if your yeast is living or dead but we were able to use you know, our expertise there to identify living, damaged, and dead cells, which uh, you know, Sean at Protector um, was great in helping us develop that assay because it really lets uh, the brewers um, uh, know a little bit more about the behavior of their yeast when it's in that process. And that can be the difference between losing a batch and uh, and keeping a batch. And that's also the difference in having to repitch your yeast, which saves you money. Um, and can kind of guarantee a flavor profile, or having to start with an all new, uh, some all new yeast. And that just costs money in the long run. And um, sometimes y- you don't get the exact same flavor profile you're using, or you're looking for in doing that. And so did that
0: so you couldn't have been located in a better part of the country than San Diego for that as far as opportunities go. I mean, there's seems like there's a never ending stream of breweries that could become clients. Um, was that an opportunistic thing that just kind of came about as a result of that, or was it something that, if even if you were you know in Ohio, you'd still be thinking about trying to work with breweries?
1: Um, I, You know, I, I think it was a little bit definitely location, 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 because we were right here, and you know, there's 120 some odd breweries between Temecula, OC, and and Chula Vista. Yep. Um, But you know, it also just came down to there's there's a A community of brewers that are interested in paying for a service like that and see the value in the in the information and there's others that um that just weren't ready for that and it just didn't seem to be you know a a service that would help the greater craft brewing industry in the area um though you know we learned a lot and we're glad we were able to help um a number of breweries also refine their process and you know get some great some great taste in beer out there
0: yeah yeah no kidding Um, well, and that's, that could be dangerous. I feel like there's, there's already too many great tasting beers out there. And so if if there's even more, we might have a a problem on our hands here, but.
1: Well, um, and and when we were, when we were going out there, you know, meeting with, uh, meeting with clients and going out there and just checking out the different breweries, I was trying to get Elizabeth to, to hire an intern to drive us around because (laughs) we couldn't taste anything because we had to drive to the next brewery. Right.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's a good point. Like if you're the business development person there, um, needs a, needs a driver for sure. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. I tell you what though, real quick, I'm going to throw a a little, another one out there and that's going to be for second chance brewing. Okay. And I don't know if you've heard of them. Virginia Morrison is their CEO. She's great with the veteran community, but also they have this fistful of gummy sour ale that is to die for. So check that out too.
0: I've had a couple sours. So Thinking back to what a sour has been historically, it's like, it just wasn't for me, but occasionally I've tried them and, and really like them. I think it depends. So that fist, fistful of what was gummy. that? Fistful of, it gummies.
1: of gummies. Yeah. And it's like sour gummy bear, but it, <laughs> it's phenomenal, man. All
0: right. There's new ones every day. So I'll have to, I'll have to give that one a try for sure. Yeah. Um. So back to the company, I had a couple more questions and this is more just kind of curiosity about the company. So how the, the companies, I think you said you have 11 employees, right?
1: Yeah. Right around 11. Okay.
0: So uh, have you guys done any fundraising in the past or how, how, how is, as the company has grown, how are you guys uh, able to to kind of foot the bill for the growth?
1: So uh, Jingo cell is all internally funded. So um, you know, Elizabeth uh, sourced all the funding uh, on her own with her family. That's amazing. Yeah. It, it really is. It's kind of a you know, uh, but it also, it's a testament to the type of driven individual that she is. Yep. Um, it's insane. I don't know when that woman sleeps. She has <laughs> four kids between, I think like four and 13, Wow. Um, okay. you know, uh, a husband and this business and um, doing it all on her own. And it is just phenomenal and definitely inspiring.
0: Yep. No, I, I would agree. It's inspiring to hear, to hear the story. Um is there is there a plan to do uh, a larger scale fundraise in the future at some point I mean as the company grows and you guys are trying to do a few kind of exciting things is that something that she feels like she can keep up with Do
1: you think you know uh I honestly see that happening down the road but for right now I mean um with the capacity that we have uh we're on track for for where we need to be but you know, there there is the potential that uh, we're going to need to grow quickly, and we definitely need to consider that when the time comes. But right. uh, yeah, that's that's a conversation that you know we're still young enough that, and we're having fun, and we're learning, yep. and and we're doing great with what we have. That it hasn't really been a concern yet. Yep. But but it is always it's something that you think about.
0: Well, I, I think most companies would love to be able to to put to go as far as possible before having to to raise outside uh, funding for sure. So, you know, no no pressure there. I just was, I was curious because that's not it's not the the normal answer you get when you're talking to someone in, in the industry that you guys are in.
1: Yeah, well, it, you know, the other thing is um, when you do accept that external f- financing, though, you give up control. Yep, and. Sometimes it makes more sense to kind of slog it out a little bit longer to maintain control and really influence things to go in the way that you want them to Yep. before seeking that outside funding. So you can gain the momentum that keeps the ball rolling in that direction. Once you do accept it.
0: Yep. Um, And so what, what are the, what are the long-term goals, I guess for the company, like looking forward five years, 10 years, is, do you guys do you guys talk about that? Is that something that you guys have uh, kind of in the back of your yeah. minds where you're trying to accomplish a couple of things in the near term and long term?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the five-year strategy, um, you know, everyone has one. Uh, and that's something that we do talk about quite frequently because it is important. It's like, it's great to have these short-term goals and let's hit this sales number and let's, you know, um, let's get this service off the ground, but but to what end? So um, you know, definitely, what we would like to do is is grow our genome editing verification service um, to become the industry standard. We'd love to influence the FDA. Um, you know, kind of the way that they're looking, the information that they're looking for. Um, you know, you look at the safety aspects of things, and that's really where we um, do so well, and we're, what we're proud to be doing. We hope that we can be the industry standard for gene editing. And uh, gene and cell therapy development um, in the market. Now we also have uh, on the flow cytometry side our actual our third service that we're getting ready to launch, and what we'd like to have happen with that too is a COVID antibody testing service. So um, there's already services out there that do it using the ELISA method, and uh, or sorry the ELISA method, but um, we're using flow cytometry, and we're able to uh, show the Uh, three antibodies and your neutralization. So as far as we know, we're the only ones that are going to offer that level of specificity and results. Um, People getting vaccinated is a hot topic right now, and it's going to be moving forward. You know, Southwest airlines is having a strike right now because pilots don't want to get vaccinated. Um, Is vaccinating people the only way that you can have protection though? Because if you've been infected, you have antibodies in your system that can protect you against uh, either uh, the you know the severity of an infection that you can get with with a different variant, or um, just being sickness or you know getting sick and having sickness at all. So that's kind of where our test comes in, and we think it's really great. And where we would love to see our service grow and move nationwide um, is to have our COVID antibody testing go you know go nationwide in the next five years uh we're waiting um we're like weeks away from our CLIA certification on that so we can start doing clinical uh you know accepting clinical samples and and launching that service but we would love to see that take off and help a lot of people so that people that don't want to get vaccinated they don't need to because they can show that I have antibodies in my system and I'm protected um, if they have protection in their system or they're able to know I don't have any antibodies, I've been vaccinated or I've been infected previously and my levels of antibodies and neutralization are so low that I, I don't really have the protection needed to protect me from getting sick or from, uh, you know, transmitting it to other people and, and causing them to become infected.
0: So it's it's a way of kind of measuring the risk with, that comes with a passenger on an airplane, uh, and as, as opposed to just looking at it from one perspective, um, testing to see if they have antibodies in general. Maybe maybe they're artificial antibodies, maybe they're natural antibodies, but kind of testing from a broader perspective, and, and w- which would hopefully allow the country and, and the world to get past the virus sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah, that's um, that's kind of on on par with with what we're looking at because. Yep. You know, there's uh, not everyone needs to be vaccinated. Not everyone can be. Um, But if we can do a better job of of showing people the data that helps them feel safer and more protected, and especially for businesses to feel feel better about keeping their employees protected, then, you know, then we've succeeded there. So um, that's five years for that service, for sure. Um, On the genome editing verification, like I said, you know, it'd be great to be the industry reference or the industry standard for that. Um, But also developing new assays and developing uh, new workflows that support the next technology that comes after this CRISPR uh, generation or that.
0: Interesting. So on the um, on the antibody testing, I'm always curious when, when companies have a product that's kind of built around COVID, which which hopefully in six months or a year, COVID's behind us. Um, can that technology then be kind of repositioned to do, to provide testing for other viruses or would it need to be? Is it, is it going to be a COVID-19, uh, specific?
1: Um, I mean, this service definitely is, it's, it's called CAT. So it's COVID antibody testing, <laughs> right? Uh, and the assay is specifically designed The work, the workflow is specifically designed, um, to test for those antibodies. Uh, but that's not to say that God forbid some other horrible, Disease, you know, jumps out at us that we aren't able to use our expertise to help um, identify something with that. But uh, you know, I, I honestly think that COVID is here with us to stay for uh, for at least the the next ten years. You know, there it's gonna it's gonna keep making the rounds. Um, hopefully, it isn't as serious, but it, it's proven to be um, fickle. And, right. and, and, you know, the, it's mutating, but a lot of times the mutation will, will occur. And then the disease kind of burns itself out. Well, that isn't happening here. It's continuing to spread and continuing to mutate. And, and you know, everything that science is showing us is that even with her herd uh, immunity, we're going to have a concern for it.
0: Right. No, it seems like you're, I don't think you're alone in that, in that way of thinking. Maybe I'm too optimistic to think that it'll be behind us in six months. <laughs>
1: Uh, Well, what I hope is that uh, you know, with with services similar to ours, and then also you know, more people becoming um, educated on COVID, and then uh, you know, immunization levels going up. um, My hope is that we can just have a better idea of what we're dealing with and how to approach that in life, so that our kids don't have to wear masks in this classroom, but not that one. And, you know, we can go to a football game and feel a little bit better about rubbing elbows with our our fellow citizens.
0: Yep. No, I think that's, I agree completely on that. Uh, well, so I think that covers most of what I had kind of on my, my list of questions or kind of topics I wanted you to, to, to kind of elaborate on. Um, I guess one, the one last one I'll leave you with is it, I'd be curious just to kind of get a feel for what your take is on the San Diego life science community and kind of what the landscape looks like in general?
1: You know, it's uh, that's, that's a great question. And the funny thing is like, um, you know, I, I listened to uh, obviously the other, the other three episodes and uh, you know, all three of them, Killu, Mark and Anna kind of talked about uh, a common theme. Like Killu talked about the amount of funding and money being pumped into biotech. Um, You know, Mark talked about how there's all these different services and products being developed to fit a specific niche. And then Anna was talking about how San Diego biosciences are growing so quickly, especially like the fact that 90 percent of the build out for space for uh, for biotech is already. uh, That
0: was shocking to me to hear that, because every time you drive down the freeway, you see cranes in the air with with new construction happening, it seems.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, we're so we're located right there in uh, in Sorrento Valley. And we look, across, we look across the Mesa and, we, you know, we have Sorrento right down next to us. We have, um, you know, Lumina and all those other companies right across the 805 from us, yep. uh, right down the road. in Sova, you see all those facilities. You have Nancy Ridge, all those places over there. I mean, the indication that I'm seeing with just the amount of, of space that's being developed as a sport uh, to support us um, is that, you know, we're the next Silicon Valley. So I know that there's several places that kind of call themselves that, but uh, that's a first
0: I've never heard that term. I love it. Sel- Silicon Valley. That's great.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it's down in uh, like King of Prussia area in, in uh, Pennsylvania, but back in that area there, they, they have one of those too. Uh, and then also you have up in the Bay area, just the, the biotech hub that's up there. So, uh, and, and then obviously Cambridge, Boston uh, and research triangle, but you know, looking at, at schools that we have in the area, but between UC San Diego, US, USD, SESU, UC Irvine, um, even up UCLA, you know, all of that is definitely feeding down where we are, where traffic isn't terrible, um, unless it rains, because everyone knows that we can't drive in San Diego when it rains. Uh, True statement. <laughs> yeah. But um, but the quality of life in San Diego you can actually—it's uh, expensive, but you can afford property a lot easier than you can in LA.
0: Yep,
1: you can get places a lot easier, and just the quality of life—it's—it's—it supports, um, you know, the the type of minds that want to come down here and do amazing things in the life sciences industry. And we have the infrastructure and the space to support it. And you know, they're obviously building out at a speed, hopefully fast enough to support that growth as well. And You know, we're seeing new biotechs popping up constantly, There's startups popping up constantly developing novel uh, technologies and therapeutics that, you know, hopefully have a positive effect on mankind in the future.
0: Love it. Uh, That's a great that's a great take and a great perspective. Um, I appreciate that for sure. Well, I think that that pretty much does it. So Scott, thanks so much for making time to come on the podcast. Uh, A second thank you for introducing me to my new favorite brewery, Protector, for a couple of reasons we've talked about earlier. Um, But I really appreciate you making the time and uh, hopefully we get to catch up again soon.
1: Of course. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, yeah, we we need to share our beer in, in real life soon.
0: Absolutely. Let's do it. Thanks. There it is big thanks to scott for the candid interview to stay in the loop with upcoming episodes visit biotech we'll see you again soon